This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. She pulled my hair with my lipstick on, in a glass of purple dry. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald. This is Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. So I'm super excited for my guest today. This is like a sister to me. I uh, refer to Gina Best, who I've had on my show before. Uh wanted to bring her back because a lot's transpired in her life since we last had her on the airwaves. Um, so Gina Best is going to be joining us today. And for those of you who may not have caught her initially, I think it was a year ago that we went live. I'm just going to remind you a little bit about who Gina is. So who's Gina Best? Well, what I can tell you about Gina is that she's an award-winning business owner, a business and life coach, and a speaker who gets to the core of what's in the way of your personal and business success. She doesn't sugarcoat it. She digs in, and she doesn't take shit. How very true. Gina spent years building a multi-million dollar mortgage brokerage. She had it all, marriage, kids, booming business, accolades from her peers. On the outside, she was a success. On the inside, she was unfulfilled. She wanted more. So she put all her shit on the table and forced herself to get out of her own way. It wasn't easy. It came with tears, anger, self-doubt. And then she came out of the other side, demolished the wall, and started living and working full tilt. Now Gina speaks to and works with other female business owners who want more, feel stuck, and are just fine with how life is. Together they detonate the ordinary, ditch the expected, deal with the shit, and map a clear path to success in every aspect of life. So, Gina, my dear, welcome back to Living Fearlessly. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me back, Lisa. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Well, I'm really happy to have you back, Gina, because I know a lot's transpired in your life. And aside from what we talked about initially when we did radio a year ago, uh, and outside of what I just read in your bio, a lot's happened for you since last year. So why don't we, this is kind of talking about cancer, and, and this is something that's very pervasive, and, and, you know, everybody knows somebody, unfortunately, who has been diagnosed. And uh, I've got two other friends, sister friends here locally, who are, are um doing the battle with cancer as well, and it's touched my own family. So let's talk a little bit about what's been going on for you, Gina, and, and if you want to take us all back to the date when things kind of changed a bit in your life. Well, you know, it was it was a regular day. It was June of last year. I did, you know, it was the, I got the card in the mail that said it's time for your mammogram because, you know, I hate to admit it, I'm over 40, so it reminds me every now and then. So off I went, and then before I knew it, they called me back, didn't really think much of it. The next day they called me and said, can you come have a biopsy? And then June, July 8th, I, I heard the words that would change everything. And that was that I had breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And it was a very, it still is a very surreal experience because I wasn't sick. Mm-hmm. I wasn't having symptoms. I wasn't having anything. So to have the, to hear those words 
that you have breast cancer, but nothing is going on. It's really hard. It's hard to hear anyway, but when you, when you're not feeling ill at all, it's just, you can't put, it's hard to put two and two together. Mm-hmm. So that started. So Ju- July 8th, I heard the, I heard the news. The doctor who I met years ago at the, at my very first mammogram told me a lovely little guy and I didn't know what to do with it. So I literally came home and I sat in the bathtub for hours. Because I didn't know what, I, you, when you hear news like that, you just don't know how to process it. Mm-hmm. And it took me, I know some days I still think I'm processing the news. Uh, it took me a while to even, to be able to, to let it sink in a bit. And then we're really, really lucky here, um, here in British Columbia. We have what's called rapid access clinics. And uh, the one I dealt with was just outstanding. And before I knew it, I saw a surgeon. I had a surgery date. Um, and I had my first surgery in August, just before Labor Day weekend. And, you know, we're very hopeful that it was, you know, one surgery. Well, that wasn't the case. I had my second surgery in September. Again, hoping that was the case. Um, and then third surgery, still wasn't the case. And then third surgery, he told me after the second one, I was going to have to have a mastectomy. And I had a mastectomy uh, the last Tuesday of November. Wow. So it all happened super fast. Um, I'm super lucky that when I had my mastectomy, when I released my breasts, I also released the cancer. So I'm very, very thankful I don't have to have any further treatment. Uh, but the whole experience has been life changing, um, you know, to say the least. Because when 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 you hear those words, you have cancer, it just changes everything. And and you know, I say to people, everything is different now, and they say how, and I I don't really know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the little things, the big things. You know, I've always I'm always. I never take tomorrow for granted because I'm never sure if you're going to have it. I've had those lessons and this was, you know, another one of those, but it's the little things. It's the, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. It's, it also, there's also the big picture when you hear those words. And for me, I've always been a very driven person. I I refer to myself as part of the driven crew, like you, Lisa, you know, (laughs) we go, we do, we get things done. That's, that's us. That's just the way we're wired. Um, and when you hear those words, it takes that from you. Mm-hmm. You can't like, you know, the goals that I, like when I did goal setting this year, you know, I always do it in December. I had a really, really hard time with it because I can't see out anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those bigger plans I had and everything, everything has shifted and I don't know where the future lies anymore so i just decided to do little ones so i did one so i could i could see you know month to month but Mm -hmm. the bigger picture is all shifted shifted and it's very very cloudy Mm -hmm. um well let me ask you this gina because when you and i talked behind the scenes we had a lovely conversation on the phone and we talked about you know the day of diagnosis you know, as many people report when that happens, it's just a state of numbness. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because you're kind of grappling with surreal news, there's really no way of pinpointing the emotions because it's just so far reaching from your day-to-day reality that led up to that actual point of diagnosis. So, you know, when you kind of, and I'm sure you still have moments where you go in and out of numbness, particularly when, you know, you've got to go back for surgery and you've got to go back for this and you've got to go back for that. Um but when you kind of step out of that initial uh, 
post-diagnosis numbness. How do you start to recalibrate? Like, what is the thought process? Because you've always had a very healthy mindset, no matter what life has thrown at you. And I know your story and I know your journey, uh, but you're right. You are one of the driven crew and you've always found a way and you've made the choice to rise each and every time, no matter what got thrown at you. Uh, and much of which was unforeseeable. So, you know, mindset being very much a key aspect for people like you and I in the personal development world and to have garnered the type of life that we've carved out for ourselves. How did you, how did you recalibrate? How, when you came out of that numbness, what was, where did you go with that? What was the next step? Was it putting one foot in front of the other and not quite knowing where you were going or, or was it coming up with a bit of a conscious plan of, okay, this is the news. It's kind of settled. This is what I now have to do. It was truly putting one foot in front of the other. There yeah. were days that I just didn't want to get up and that's something I've never really dealt with before. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a shirt that says I, I got this and I wore that a lot. Some days I even wore it under my work clothes just so I felt better. Um, and it was one, it was truly one foot in front of the other. And I do think that on the days that got, cause the news is so big, it could crush you. Mm-hmm. And those really bad days, I'm so, so lucky that my, my support team was phenomenal. Uh, my bestie would, you know, tell me to get my ass out of bed and get on with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I needed to hear that. Uh, my mentor, Dov Barron was, outstanding and he seemed to know when I was completely losing my mind and he would reach out to me and he talked me down quite a few times and he's <laughs> the one that said to me you know me you know why don't you know let's look at you know being okay with where you are mm-hmm. and and that was a really big I know it sounds really simple and I thought oh yeah okay that is easy well it wasn't because you'd see me walking around in the beginning I would just say be okay with where I am be okay with where I am and I'd walk around saying it with a little tilt of my head going, but that's what I had to do. I had to be okay with where I was that moment, that minute. And, you know, one day, some days it was breath to breath. Some days it was minute to minute. Some days it was hour to hour. And it's interesting because some days I could get up and, and I could be okay. And I could get through the day. And then others, I was just, I couldn't keep my shit together. You know, there was many days that I would cry my way through Costco and I have to say it was really great shopping because everybody got out of your way. But I just, I just, I didn't even try to stop it anymore. They even move away from the sample stands when you're crying. Um, so, you know, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't, I, I just rolled with it. It would just truly depend on the day. Um, and in all of this, you know, it's, it's a really interesting learning curve as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are super fortunate to be, to live in Canada and have the medical system we have, but there's some very interesting things that come up. So one of my, when I, so when I had the first surgery, you know, the surgeon kind of tr- treated it as a really, really big biopsy, which I didn't really realize at the time. So when the second surgery came up, I had the choice of having a second surgery like the first or having the mastectomy. And the reason I chose the second surgery to having the second surgery like the first is because they told me that I would not qualify for reconstruction um, under the medical plan. And I kind of thought, okay, so then we talked about it. And the reason is the most antiquated thing you've ever heard. The reason I would not qualify under the under the medical plan with reconstruction is that my, my body mass index is too high. So they have a, they have, the guideline is a 30% body mass index. 
So I got to tell you, there's about six people in, the, in my world that may have a 30% body mass index, if that, because they don't, it doesn't take into consideration. It's all based on, you know, muscle. It doesn't take into consideration muscle mass. So at the time, because I was so shell-shocked, I didn't challenge it. So I just had the second surgery. So when the third surgery came up and they told me I had to have a mastectomy, you know, I was faced with this idea of, okay, so I have to release my breast and I can't have reconstruction. And that's when the surgeon said, well, you know, maybe you should talk to the plastic surgeon. And I was a little bit put out because I thought if this was the option, why didn't I get it before? But I let that yeah. go because, you know, there's no sense fighting this thing. So then I met this plastic, my plastic surgeon, who is just a delight. And like I said to her, you know, okay, yes, I realize that my body mass index is way higher than 30%. But I deadlift almost, you know, I lived through at the time 350 pounds. Of course, my body mass index is going to be high. Mm-hmm. And on paper, you know, and this is the the best thing that, you know, this was the biggest delight in all of this. On paper, I don't make a great candidate for this because, yes, I am diabetic, even though I have amazing control. Okay. My body mass index is high. I'm not a small person. You know, I am a large woman, but I'm not a couch potato. You know, I am super active. I work out four days a week. I'm a weightlifter. So when she met me. She looked beyond the paper, and that's what, what the best part of all this was. She didn't just see the piece of paper and say, oh, no, she doesn't qualify. She actually, my, my nurse navigator snuck me into an appointment with her, and she met me, and she had no, she, she said yes right off the bat um, because they looked past the paper. And that's one of the lessons in all this is that, you know, human nature is to judge, and yeah. that's just human nature. And as much as we say, oh, we don't judge, we all judge. It's mm-hmm. just human nature. So it was very, it was really refreshing to see that they weren't just judging people by the piece of paper, right? They were giving the opportunity because this would have had a totally different outcome. Like I can't imagine as much as this whole reconstruction thing is a bit of a drama, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine if I had to release my breast and not have it because it is still very much a part of me mm-hmm. and the idea of giving up something that makes me a woman right in the beginning was very hard to get my head around and you know again my mentor god thank god for him would keep reminding me you know i'm not my body parts mm-hmm. um but faced with that letting go of a body part wicked wickedly hard i bet i bet you know and so You know, that's a lot of information to process, just being on the receiving end of it and not being the person directly going through it, nor having to deal and interface with the medical profession to have those types of discussions. Um, So, you know, why don't you maybe enlighten uh, us, Gina? Because, I mean, I've gone through it as a daughter of somebody who had breast cancer and, 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 you know, my aunt had it. And like I said, two close friends of mine here in Dundas have it. you know, and you being very near and dear to my heart, you've been dealing with it. So, you know, what are some of the things outside of the cancer as a disease itself that, you know, people might be surprised to hear in terms of what a diagnosis does? And I know it's an individualized journey for every person. Everybody has their own account as to how to describe that. But how how outside of all the medical appointments and the releasing of your breast and, um, you know, all the, the – the, the different junctures in the journey that you've had to grapple with as a result of this. What has this done for you 
emotionally? What has this done for you psychologically? What has this done for you in terms of, I mean, you talked about how you've reassessed your goals and things are a little bit different and being time-framed. Um, but how has this changed previous pre-cancer Gina overall? How That's a harder question to answer. Um, I will tell you that, what is it now? It's it's April now. So I had my surgery the end of November. So December, January, February, March, April, say five months ago. Mm-hmm. It's only now that I, it's only truly been the last couple of weeks that I actually feel like I'm me again. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of times it was, it was a big roller coaster. And some days again, I was, you know, okay, doing my thing. And then some days I really did have a lot of the whole, you know, I I say unmotivated, but it was even more than that. It was, it was the, you know, what is, you go through the, what's the point? Like, why are we working so hard? Why are we doing these things? And for me, I've, I'm very lucky that I've always been the half glass full lady. Like I'm very optimistic. You know, I've always seen the best in things. And through this, I saw the other side of it. And I, there was times that I really did see this, the downside of, of how this kind of, this kind of news affects you because there were days that I just, I wasn't motivated. I didn't want to do anything. I'd sit in front of my computer and look at all my things I had to do and think, eh, me, why bother? <laughs> right, that was my that was my word. People look at me and I go, "It's a me day," and I would just go off. I go, mm-hmm. um, and for me, those days were very much connected with. I have a what's called a fillable implant, so it's underneath my pec, and it has to be. It's a it's a tissue expander, and I really noticed that the days that I those really bad days were around the days that I actually had to have the the saline put into it um, because. As much as I'm thrilled and thankful and ecstatic that I am cancer-free, it's not just over. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have two surgeries in front of me. I have this fillable implant that I've been having filled since January every second week. And uh, this week, I, I finally figured out how to explain this to people this week. Because you try to explain to people I have a fillable implant. Because when, when I'm dressed, I look the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The other day, I, I was at the gym, and I finally said to my trainer, you need to feel my boobs. <laughs> and he looked to me and said, pardon me? I said, you need to feel my boobs. I'll tell your wife. So what I do now is let people feel the side of my breast. And on my regular side, it feels like a boob. And the other side, it feels like a softball because it's super, super tight. And as soon as I let people fill it, they understand. Mm-hmm. because the last few rounds it's so tight it's really uncomfortable so I probably have more pain now than I had after the first or second surgery third surgery was different but from stretching and all that kind of thing so so even though the cancer diagnosis is gone I'm having still having physical things which then triggers the emotional things right um and again it's been I've been very very lucky that I do have such a positive outlook and if I do have a really spirally day and I'm going down the rabbit hole, like I call it, I know I've, I've learned well enough what to do about it. I go to the gym. I listen to music. I get outside. If those things don't work, I, I reach out and call somebody. Because the one thing that I do realize, and it's a catch-22 because a lot of people who go through a major illness, um, during it and especially after it, uh, deal with a lot of depression. 
Mm-hmm. It's actually quite common. And I can totally see why and how it happens. And I just got really lucky that, again, my support system is so amazing um, because I can see how easy it is to go down that spiral because mm-hmm. life after cancer is tough. No one, everybody prepares you um, for the during and there's lots of support and, you know, everything's going on in medical and you're dealing with things, even though you can't fix it, you're being active and proactive and dealing with what's going on. But when it's gone and it's all over and done, it's a new, and I don't like this word, but this explains it, but it's your new normal. Mm-hmm. Right. I have a girlfriend who had, she just got, she just this week, she just got her five year um, cancer free news. Lovely. And she can't, she can't use, like, if you talk about, here's the prime example. She it was the Terry Fox run in the fall and she's a teacher mm-hmm. and she got a different color shirt than everybody else. And when she asked about it, um, they said it's because you're a cancer survivor and she completely freaked. Wow. She can't, she can't see herself that way. Um, and I don't like the word survivor. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like that doesn't jive with me. So mm-hmm. I haven't quite figured out the right language because it's not a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want it to be a badge of honor. And and during all of this, the really hard line, like, I would go through periods that you would see me on social media a lot and talking about it. And then I would disappear for a while. And that's because I didn't want cancer to be the badge that I wore when I did things. Mm-hmm. And that one was really hard. And like recently a friend of mine said, well, you didn't really talk about it. And I thought, well, gee, I thought I talked about it a lot. But it's hard because you don't want to be defined by the cancer. Yet on the other side is I want people to know that I've been through it because I truly, truly want people who are, especially women who are going through the same thing, to be able to reach out to me. And that is happening. And that is really, really important to me because I'm not from the medical field. I'm not you know, a trained counselor, I'm not super politically correct. I will call it like it is. So I like to think that I'm very refreshing for people going through this. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, and I've had amazing, amazing comments. So the days that I think, you know, I don't want to do a Facebook post, I don't want to talk about it, then I get these amazing comments about, you know, I shared this post with, you know, a 22-year-old going through cancer treatments and she wants more of you, you know, things like that. So that kept me going. And the one the one question I would ask myself, and again, this comes from my mentor, who I love, mm-hmm. um, he would say to me, on the days that I didn't want to get out of bed or the days everything seemed so much, ask the question, what is more important than this? You know, who am I here to serve? So I always went back to that. Okay, so I don't want to get out of bed today because I'm feeling sore for myself. Okay, well, you know what? This could have been far worse. I could have had to have them set to me and then had chemo and radiation like a good friend I know. Um, so those, when I got, when I really did want, there was a couple of days I literally pulled the head over, cover over my head and, and my youngest would be like, are you going to go up? I'm like, no, I'm just staying here. He's like, <laughs> okay. And then a few minutes later I'd ask the question and I'd get up. So it is truly, and even today it's still, you know, 
day by day. Yesterday I had to go and have um, um, a lymphatic drainage treatment because it turns out my implant is now pushing on my lymph system. So it's like one thing or another. And I, and I could, yeah. you know, and I did think, you know, for when they told me I had to do this, I thought, seriously, can I like cut me a break, please? But then I went and had the treatment and it was really lovely and I had a little nap. And so there's always a good in everything. I love, Um, I love that you always see the brightness no matter what the darkness. Do you know that's one of the reasons why I'm very drawn to you and I, I, uh, you know, I can, I can appreciate and understand based on your journey, you know, people who are being newly diagnosed or people who are walking the journey with you, why you would be a breath of fresh air, why you would be inspirational. I mean, you were all that prior to the, to the breast cancer diagnosis, but this just offers you another, uh, I would think aspect of how to be more empathic and how to be more supportive and how to be more compassionate. Um, so clearly people are drawn to you and seeking you out based on that. So, I mean, that's lovely. And this is, and this is what we do. And this is what we talk about. And again, you were always in this world even before the diagnosis. This is about paying it forward and being of service and turning shit into gold. This is yeah. what we do. So let me ask you this, Gina. Um, so prior to the diagnosis, what was important to you then that no longer is now? And what wasn't important to you? before the diagnosis that now is important to you? <clears throat> okay. Um, so before the diagnosis, getting knowing where I was going was really important. I was spending a lot of time on the big, big picture. Um, one of my challenges has always been to see the big picture. I can see out six months, a year. I can plan that. I had a really hard time with the dream. Like, what is the big dream? Um, and that's been a challenge for me. And I, and I, I used to agonize over that a lot cause I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. I could see pieces of it, but I still, I never really had the answer. I realize now I don't need it. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You know, I do still think that I have to have, you know, goals and plans cause I need direction. That's the way I operate. I'm not so great without a plan. I feel mm-hmm. like I, I flounder. Um, but I realize that I can have a plan for tomorrow or next month, but I don't need the really big picture anymore. Um, so that's a big one. And, uh, I met with my marketing girl this week on Monday. Her name is Kim and she's fabulous. And we had a great talk and she asked me all these questions about the big picture and I didn't have the answers. And she looked at me and said, can I just tell you what to do for a little while? And I said, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Cause you know, it's that letting go of control. And, um, so that's one thing I do realize that I've been, running on empty for a while and emotionally and and my bucket my bucket is usually quite full and I do lots of things to fill it but going through all of this um and as much as I did I think I'd like to think I did really well between you know breast cancer two businesses two kids and life um wow I think I I think I did really well um I'm tired I I truly am tired and I need a little bit of a break. And the most ironic thing is I got a call yesterday, Wednesday night, and said, it's our it's a reward trip that I'm involved in. And they said, we have a cancellation. Do you want to go to Mexico on Saturday? <laughs> so I called my ex and said, can I go to Mexico on Saturday for a week? And he said, yes, go. So Lovely. I'm going to Mexico tomorrow morning. Just for a week by beach and just do nothing. 
That so is that's awesome. the other thing is that I've always been I through the journey of the last few years, I do know that I really have to take care of myself or I'm no good for others. So I make sure I have time every day for mm-hmm. me. Um but I haven't quite figured out for some reason, my regular things don't recharge my battery the way it used to. So I need to think, find a few different things, and I'm slowly working on that. Um, and what's more important? People, kids, relationships. Like, that's always been a really big thing to me, but it's even more so now um, than it ever was. It's all about the relationship with people. You know, and that that was one of the lessons I learned through all this. You know what? Um, when something like this happens, it helps you clear out your, 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 your tribe. Some people will stay and step up and be amazing. And some people can't really handle it and they won't be around and you have to be okay. You have to figure out how to be okay with that. Well, and that's very true. And we talked about that. And that's often a sentiment that's expressed when somebody's going through any type of particular crises. Um, but yeah, cancer is oftentimes a trigger for people based on either unresolved relationships or issues that they've had with somebody who's passed on, or it's a trigger for something that they personally have experienced having gone through and perhaps it wasn't as supportive or it was more detrimental to their psyche or spiritually. So, you know, that's as if you're not going through enough. When you started to realize uh, very clearly who stepped up, who stepped out, who kind of took a uh, you know, an ambiguous role perhaps in the journey, you know, because you're already going through a multitude of things that you're trying to grapple with, how did that aspect emotionally um, affect you during the journey? Because I'm sure um, there were some surprises along the way. There were some surprises along the way. And I tried not to, one of them was a big surprise and I, I fell in the, I fell in the poor me category for that one for a little while until I, I had to get my head around it. And then I truly just come at it as, you know, it's not that I don't love these people anymore. It's not that I don't care anymore. It's just, it's not the right time and whatever's going on with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, once I got over the initial poor me, cause I do do that now and then, uh, I didn't take it. I tried not to take it personally. One of my big, um, one of my, one thing I work on all the time is letting go. Cause I, for me, letting go is hard. And I know that comes from, you know, a history of loss. So I just remind myself, it doesn't mean that I don't love them. It doesn't mean that we won't be friends down the road again. Just right now, it's not the right time. And I think the fact that the people I had, like I have four or five, maybe six people who thick and thin were there. That's what I focused on. I focused on um, what I did have versus what I didn't have. Good. Um, And the one thing I find, one thing I, I learned along the way, I didn't, when it happened and I got the diagnosis and it all started, um, you're, it's very self-centered. It's very all about you. You have to look Mm -hmm. after you. Everything's about you. You have to put yourself first. Um, And that's not, that's something I I work on because, you know, I'm I'm all about putting yourself first. But I'm not naturally wired that way. So this, when it happens, you instantly, it's all about you. Everything is about you. It's all about you. Um, I never stopped to consider what it did to my friends. Mm 
mm-hmm. like especially my really like my two good girlfriends who were here and they beca- they came to surgery with me and all that. Like I remember the day I called, they were one of the first calls I called when I found out the news that it was gone, and like both of them cried, mm. and it actually really surprised me. Um, because a, when you hear the news that you don't have it, it's just as shocking as you do. And it takes a little bit of time to kick in. And in my, you know, in my body, cause it wasn't over, it just took a little while for my head to catch up. But the relief from both of them, um, and maybe really stop and think, you know, through all of this, they put aside all the fear and all the doubt and all the, the everything. And I never once saw it. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't like, like I, I said, I remember saying to my girlfriend, Rihanna once, are you up? You're like, like what's going on? Like, are you, does this, I remember it was, I don't remember the words, but I was like, you know, does this not bother you? And she looked at me and said, one of us has to have our head on straight. And I thought, oh, okay, fair. Cause she's the one who came to the appointments yeah. with me with her notepad and her pen. Right. And Lovely. she's like, got all the details. So, you know, and that's, I am so blessed. Like I, I'm so blessed to have, you know, two super close girlfriends here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have fr- two really good friends who don't live here. That My friend Christian and I, he would check on me every single Sunday. We talked on Skype every single Sunday um, just to see how I was, where I was, you know. So I was, I'm so blessed that way. And, and, yes, during the journey, you do – some people do drift away, but some people get so much closer. And that's an amazing gift. Well, and I'm really glad that you're the type of person who's pre-wired to look at, you know, what what you do have versus what you don't have or what the strengths are, what the benefits are versus what the deficits are. So I'm sure that's really helped with the journey as well to have that kind of a mindset. And that's a choice. So good for you. I applaud you. I mean, you're just – you're huge hero. Huge hero. And, you know, and Lisa, like, I won't – you know, truthfully, there were times that I did have the whole poor me, why me – you're loud. Oh God, why can't I catch a break? But I was really mindful through those times that I didn't stay in it that long. Yes. You know, so if it, you know, and if it was too big that I couldn't get out of it, then I did reach out. And there were absolutely days that I had like that. But again, you know, the one, the funny thing through all of this is the one thing I never had, I was never angry I was mad about having to give up things, having to change things, having having it affect my life, having it, you know, to have surgery and stuff. But I was never mad about the cancer. And I know that sounds kind of odd. <clears throat> but I was never mad at my body for doing this for me. I was very sad mm-hmm. that I was so mad at my body for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and every day I talk to my body, every day I talk to a different body part. I know it sounds a little crazy. And oh. when I think, oh, I wish my belly was a little smaller. I'm like, so, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't. You're good. <laughs> We're all good. Um, you know, I still have those days, but I was never, I was angry, but I was never angry at the cancer. I was never angry at my body. And I found that really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot, I do truly believe that I, I know a couple things for sure. I know I did not cause the cancer. I, there's nothing I did that gave me breast cancer. But I do believe that I allowed the space for it. Mm-hmm. I do believe that all of the years of running from my emotions and being busy and not taking any time for me just allowed the space. Mm-hmm. You know, I, as as they say, you can only hide the elephant under the rug for so long. 
And eventually, if you don't stop and put yourself first, something's got to give physically, emotionally, mentally. And for me, it was physically. So I wasn't angry about the cancer. Now, I was angry through some of it for sure. My favorite, when I, I was really careful, I tried to manage it the best I can. And yeah, I had days that I just lost my shit and it wasn't good. But then, like, I was really careful not to bring bring it home to my kids. Like, I didn't want to come home and yell at my kids because I was upset or I was hurt. So I had a ritual that I would go to the gym. I'd always have sneakers in my back of my car. And I'd be in full work clothes and sneakers. And I'd go to the gym. And I had belonged to this amazing gym called Twist. And one trainer specifically was there all the time. His name was Luke. And he'd see me coming. And he'd move his clients away from the corner. He'd move his clients away from the corner. And very inadvertently, he'd go over and flip on really, really heavy metal. And he'd nod at me. And I'd go to the corner. And I would slam a ball at the floor for however long it took me to cry. And then I'd sit down and cry it out. And then I'd put the ball away. And I'd leave, and as I look over my shoulder, he would switch the music back and move his kid, move his, move his clients out of the corner. And this went on for months. Like I told him the other day, how I let him feel my boobs the other day too to explain it. Um, I told him how, like how much I appreciated that, and that was how I coped with it. Mm-hmm. I had to get it out physically. Um, and I think that when you go through something like this, and it doesn't matter if it's cancer or life change. You can't keep it inside. Like, that's the one lesson I learned. I think that's one of the reasons I allowed all this was all the stuff inside for so long. So whatever it takes to get it out. You know, for me, it was a ball against the floor yelling. If it's a walk, if it's a dance, if it's a scream, if it's talking to somebody. But that is truly one of the big, big lessons about just, again, don't keep it all inside because eventually something will give. Well, you know, I really appreciate you saying that for the listeners, uh, Gina. I really, really appreciate you saying that because, you know, even though there's a lot of things in our life that is out of our control, it is really about the attitude, the way we embrace it, the way we approach it, the way we try to, you know, as best as we can accept the reality, the changed, altered reality, and go, okay, what is within my power? And so you took a very proactive approach, knowing yourself as well as you do, and knowing that you didn't want any residual backlash or, you know, innocent children getting upset or being exposed to what you were going through. So you took it upon yourself to have your stuff, your sneakers and everything prepared. <laughs> and Luke was obviously very well aware of who you were. And this is, this is all indicative of self-awareness, you know? Yeah. And so, and I think a lot of that speaks to the fact that you've always been on that path of personal development. Not everybody is necessarily in our world where they've already kind of accumulated some of those, um, tools to put in our toolbox, right? Um, so I think it's, again, it's worked in your favor and it's been of service to you to know that for all the years that you have invested in yourself, in your personal development, uh, in, you know, trying to hone, becoming the best person you know how and for whatever's thrown you off the path throughout the journey, because let's face it, life does and it's usually always unforeseen. Um, you've, you've done a beautiful job navigating things in such a way that for whatever whether we call it breast cancer or something else that tends to, you know, uh, show up on your doorstep a year from now, two years from now, you, you're hardwired to be proactive and to, to make it your responsibility, to make it an accountability piece to be self-aware because that only, that only benefits you in the long run and everyone else that you love in your circle and in your tribe. So I just want to say kudos to you. 
Thank you, Lisa. That really, really means a lot. Um, I'm super proud of you. Super, super proud of you. Thank you. The other night, I did a, I did, I did a pres, I did a speech at uh, Mo Mondays here in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and it's the first time I Friday I got my usual, you know, my stock speech out and thought, okay, you know, I'll do this, and I tweaked it and changed it up, and I started practicing and realized no. That's not the story for this. So Monday night I got up and actually talked about the breast cancer journey for the first time. And one of the lines in there that, that I, that came out, came to me was the only thing that we can control is us. And the only control we have with that is how we react to things. Yes. You know, and, and I, and I mean, you know, you still have days that, you know, you squish your finger at the door and you curse your head off. Or, <laughs> you know, this morning, this morning, I will tell you, I, I've got a little, you know, this, last night I went to plug my iPad in and I'm missing a cord. And this uh-huh. morning I, I went to check on the youngest and underneath his pillow I found my cord for my iPad, a box <laughs> of Lifesavers, and a tablet that didn't work. You know, and I started, and I was, I was annoyed and I actually had to walk out of the room and think, Okay, the tablet didn't work. You didn't actually get any video games. Let's count the lifesavers. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I mean, there are still days that I I wish I you know I still wish I could do it. You know, when it comes to parenting, I wish I wasn't such a yeller, but I'm working on it. But mm-hmm. again, we're all works in progress. I my new thing is I'm gonna have some T-shirts made. I'm gonna do this really really soon with my brand that say work in progress. Awesome. And I'm sending them to everybody I know because that's it. We're all works in progress. Yes. Absolutely, we are. Absolutely. So, I mean, as if, I mean, everything I know about you, Gina, embodies what it is to live fearlessly. And particularly with what you have been very raw and candid and vulnerable and open with us in your, your journey with the cancer. I appreciate that. Um, so I already know, I already know and can characterize how you live fearlessly, but I would like to hear in your own words, your own self-assessment of how you believe you live fearlessly and what that means. To you. To me. So it's funny that you asked that question because one day last week I was driving to work or something and I thought, I just need to step up. And and that's in my head sometimes because sometimes I feel like I don't do enough. And that's my own measuring stick. What? Um, yeah, I know. It's my own measuring stick. I know. So I've, I've been reevaluating the measuring sticks I have in my head. Because I have measuring sticks in my head. To live fearlessly, truthfully, said to me right now, is to get up in the morning and get on with my day. Mm-hmm. I'm truly trying to tackle – this is something new that I've added, and I'm trying to do it every day, but it's not happening. But I'm trying to step out of my comfort zone every day because I my comfort zone is my safe zone like everybody else's. And I have a tendency – I've had a tendency since all this went down not to step out of my comfort zone as much. Um, Monday night when I went on the way to do this talk, I actually had the whole conversation with myself. Do I want to do this? Do I actually want to get on stage in front of people? Should I want to do this? And again, it was my, my, I was scared. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to do something every day that just pushes me out of my comfort zone a little bit. Sending an email to someone I want to do something with, um, doing something different, trying something new. So living fearlessly, truthfully is to me, Getting up in the morning and living your day. Because life is not here to be tolerated. It's here to be lived. Love that. And, you know, that it it truly is. And, you know, some days life is a slog. Like, you know as well as I do. Some days (laughs) it's just a slog. (laughs) 
but it's finding those little rays of sunshine in all of those slogs that just keep you going. And yeah. I realized yesterday, what I did yesterday is that I got some really amazing Facebook messages a couple of weeks ago from two of my high school friends. And I realized yesterday I need to print them off and put them in my journal because Beautiful. when I have the days that I feel like, ugh, ma, um, I'm going to read those. Right. And one of them talks about, you know, uh, um, she showed it, showed my post to a lady she takes care of. And I think she's like 80 and she's a, she's going through cancer and she started talking about it. You know, I took time on Sunday to actually ask my mother-in-law about her mom and -hmm. about stories that I had never heard. To me, that's living fearlessly, doing things differently every day. Love it. Love it. Well, what I would also want to hear from you, Gina, is what are you most proud of about yourself, given what you've been going through? Because you deserve a lot of credit here, but it's more important that you recognize that within yourself. We can all say, I wish I didn't yell as much, or I, you know, I wish I wasn't always in my comfort zone as much as what I was, or, you know, but I want to hear from Gina, what Gina is proud of the most within herself, within this journey. Recently, the thing I will tell you that I'm proud of the most is um, beginning of April, my ex went away for 10 days. He went to Germany, and we choose to live together and Mm co-parent. So I was 10 days on my own single parenting with my kids. And I think it's the first time I've ever done 10 days on my own, Mm -hmm. and I am so proud how well we did. You know, I laugh about, you know, my goals for my children are, Breathing, fed, somewhat clean. Um, that's why <laughs> they're not very lofty. But we had a really great time, and it went really well. Um, so I'm super proud of that. And truthfully, I'm super proud of even, you know, I've had ups and downs and in business and as well. But I'm, you know, I think I've done a pretty spectacular job of keeping it together through all this. Yes, you have. You know, people still like me. But I still have friends. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I. Well, congratulations, because I, I haven't even gone through cancer and I'm losing all mine. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, uh, what was the word? Natural selection there, honey. Um, yeah. You know, I went through a period, because I didn't work as much last year, I went through a period in February, March, that January, February, that I was a little bit worried about money. Uh-huh. And that is not something that I'm wired to do. Um, I don't worry about money, I, it comes. Yep. And I didn't like that. Um, and getting through that bit, and it only it only went on for about a month. And I know I just, you know, you just have to do things differently. And it was that I had a little taste of the, the um, scarcity mindset versus the abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. And that, that just got, I didn't like that. And that was going away. Um, so that was a nice lesson too, to remember, um, because you can worry about things every day, but unless you do something differently to change things, nothing is different. So it's about doing things differently. And I'm just pretty, you know what? I'm super proud of myself that I am still here. I'm healthy. I'm back to the gym. Uh, two weeks ago, I lifted my pre-weight, deadlift the day the friday before i had surgery i lifted 375 pounds wow and that was my personal record and i've been working on that since i came back and a couple fridays ago i hit it and 
but I hit it differently, Lisa. Before surgery, this will sum it up. Before surgery, when I lifted, it was all about the number. Mm-hmm. How much can I lift? How heavy can it be? And it was ones. I do, I do one. I go up. I do one. I go up. It was all about hitting a number. Mm-hmm. Since surgery, um, we're doing it very differently. I'm enjoying my lifts. It's not about the number, the weight I lift anymore. Some days we calculate how much I lift in a morning. One morning I lifted almost 8,000 pounds. Um, but it was, I enjoyed the lift. So when I hit 375 this time, yeah, it was still super heavy, but Mm -hmm. I thought about, you know, where my feet were, how my body felt. I just lifted. And then after we were done, Josh said to me, do you know how much that was? Cause I don't like to know. And I said, no, he said that was 375. Amazing. Whoa, Tina. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you have, when you go through something like this or any kind of life change, you, you hit a thing called, um, Dove talked to me about it. It's called choice point. Mm -hmm. So you have a choice of doing the same thing you did differently or doing different. Mm -hmm. And most days I choose to do different. I find myself every now and then falling and doing the same things differently. Um, but I, I choose different now, Mm -hmm. you know, and, But that's, you know, I commend you on that, too, because that's a very self-actualized way of thinking. You know, it's it's taking the unfortunate circumstances that you've had to readjust your life according to. And, you know, it, it, it goes beyond just saying, oh, you know, I've got to think positively or, you know, I've got to try and make sure that my approach to things is always coming from a – glasses full approach. I mean, it's easy to say those things, but I mean, when you break it down, I mean, it's pretty profound what you've said and how you're executing and navigating that in your life because that re- that that means really stepping into stuff and that means really getting out of your comfort zone and it really means making a concerted effort and a choice on a daily basis regardless of what's being thrown at you or whether you have that uh moment, you know? Yeah. So um, that's really quite profound and that's um, – I'm really proud of you, Gina. I, like, I'm learning a lot from you in, in you being my guest today and being my friend um, and uh, being very open and candid about your journey. I'm, I'm really soaking up a lot of nuggets here, as I, I, as I, I'm quite sure the listeners are as well. Um, you know, and as, as, as we know, there's always strength and vulnerability. You know, I think the people who are most vulnerable are the most beautiful people. You know, the people who really, you know, it's it's just – like, let's not pretend that we don't all go through emotion, that we don't all feel emotion, and that we don't always feel like we're not on top of our game. And the people who pretend that they're always on top of their game, you know that there's got to be stuff going on behind the scenes, and people can't relate to that. Yeah. You know, people can't relate to what it is that you hide. People can relate to what it is you share. So, um, so that's wanted- one of the one of the in this day and age with social media. Um, that's one of the things people really need to be aware of. Like when they're scrolling through Facebook and everybody's life is perfect and having a wonderful time, mm-hmm. you just need to remember that that's not, that's not reality. Absolutely. You know, you know, and the one thing, the one tip I'll give people and, and the one thing that I learned through all of this is um, like when I do something I don't like, I count in my head. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing a right, exercise at the gym and I don't like it, I count in my head. That's how I get through things. I, I always have. But one thing that really helped me with all of this is I'd say things out loud, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, be okay with where I am. Be okay with where I am. You don't believe it in the beginning. But eventually, if you keep saying it, it slowly sinks in. Absolutely. You know, so so that's mm-hmm. a tip for people who, you know, if you're having a hard time or trying to figure out what's going on, just start saying things out loud because eventually mm-hmm. it'll sink in. 
Absolutely. You know? And it and it is very important how we enter dialogue with ourselves, right? Yes, I mean, I'm I've been working on my language. I've been very mindful how I talk and it's quite common these days that I'll say to people, no, no, I want to say that again. Um, and I'll think about a different way to say it because it, your language affects you. You know, yeah. when I had to shift from I'm losing my breath, they're taking my breath to I'm releasing it. Beautiful. And it makes a big difference. You know, the way you talk to yourself and others, it makes a big difference. Absolutely, it does. Well, Gina, I'm always cognizant of time, and unfortunately, the hour always goes by way too wow. quickly, as you know. Um, yes. But I'd like to give you an opportunity for people who want to reach out to you, um, either just because they want to acquire your services for what you do offer in the business world, or because of this personal journey that you've been on and people want to connect with you as a support. Um, how can people reach you? Well, they can check out my website, which is Gina, G-I-N-A, dot best, B-E-S-T. My email, you just put a Gina in front of it. So Gina at Gina dot best. And you know what? People, if you, if they can pick up the phone and even call me and I'll tell you my phone number. It is 604-340-3600. And for anybody listening to this, if they are going through anything that don't, they don't have support, feel free to reach out to me. I will always take the time and have a conversation. Beautiful. Wow, that's very generous of you. And so what's on the agenda for the rest of the day, knowing that you look at things a little bit differently in terms of how you tackle your goals? Well, today my biggest goal, I have a lunch meeting, but today my biggest goal is to pack a suitcase because I'm going away tomorrow morning. Yeehaw! (laughs) So I made a list list last night that I'm adding to, um, and I'm going to pack a suitcase, and tomorrow morning I'm going to – by 5 o'clock tomorrow, I'm going to be on a beach, and that just makes me happy because I need some ocean. Well, you certainly deserve that, and I wish you all the best. Have a safe journey, and I want to say thank you very much for the gift of your time, Gina. I want to thank you for being the very special and important person that you are to me personally in my life and how you've helped navigate me with my own journey. And um, I just want to say that I'm immensely proud of you. I think you're a stellar, superb human being, and you demonstrate leadership in every aspect of what you encounter in your life and throughout your journey. You always find a way and a reason to rise, and I absolutely love, admire, and respect that about you. So thank you um, and for living fearlessly. Really, I respect that about you. And thank you so much, Lisa, for having me back. And I, I, you and I go through periods we don't talk as much and we forget how much we love to talk to each other. Absolutely. So to be able to spend an hour with you is always my pleasure and it fills my bucket. Oh, thank you. Likewise, my sister. So I want to say to the, the listening audience, I want to thank you once again for your loyal listenership. I want to thank you for joining us, myself and my guest Gina Best here. Uh, this Friday, I go, I go live every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 o'clock Eastern on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Uh, podcasts will certainly be uploaded. I really appreciate everybody subscribing to the podcast. We're now hovering between 160, 170,000 podcast subscribers. So I want to say how much that means to me. More importantly, uh, it says a lot to myself and my guests to know that the content that we're getting out there is of value to you. It's resonating with you. And for anybody who would wish to reach out to me personally, either to appear as a prospective guest on my radio show or for any questions, anything you would like to do that I can help you in the way of service, I too am a mentor and a coach uh, and a speaker would love to connect with you. I can be reached at lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com. 
Uh, my website is under reconstruction, but you can still find it with the current handle of lisamcdonaldauthor.com. want to wish everybody a fantastic weekend. Please be safe. Please take care of yourself, and please continue to live fearlessly. Love and gratitude. All my best. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. Visit her at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.